This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, September 8th, 2020. I'm Caleb Brown. As the pandemic moved forward, drug overdose deaths increased at a fast clip. Cato Institute Senior Fellow and Physician Jeff Singer says government responses to overdose deaths have largely misunderstood the problem, especially at a time of extreme isolation for people dependent on and addicted to drugs. Singer argues that harm reduction can bring people out of the shadows and help save lives. Before the pandemic began, what was the general trend in overdose deaths and what were the components, the drugs themselves that can, were contributing most to overdose deaths? Well, as a, after a slight pause, let's say, in 2018, the overdose death rates uh, started right back up again. For the last several years, the major component of uh, opioid-related overdose deaths has been fentanyl, followed by heroin. Prescription drugs like oxycodone, hydrocodone, that have been what's called diverted into the black market for non-medical use, had been a major component uh, in the earlier part of this century. For, but for the last several years, largely because uh, all of the policies have been aimed at getting doctors to prescribe less prescription opioids and reducing prescriptions, that's uh, made less available to be diverted into the black market. So non-medical users have just moved over to more available drugs that are much more dangerous, uh, such as fentanyl and heroin. So for the past several years, the, uh, the, the component of the total opioid-related overdose death uh, numbers has been decreasingly uh, prescription opioids and increasingly fentanyl and heroin. You made note of the American Medical Association's Opioid Task Force 2020 report. Uh, between 2014 and 2019, they noted a 37% decrease in opioid prescriptions, a 64% increase in the use of state prescription drug monitoring programs uh, in the last year. So what does that? What does all that tell us about the state of uh, overdoses in the United States, again, pre-pandemic? Pre-pandemic, the overdose rate has been continuing to go up. And in fact, we've known this uh, for decades. Uh, in September of 2018, the University of Pittsburgh published a really good study where they're able to get data going back as, as far as the mid-1970s. And they've demonstrated um, that Overdose deaths due to non-medical use of both legal or illegal drugs has been on a steady exponential rise since at least the late 1970s. The only thing that's changed over the years is which particular drug is predominating among the death statistics. And that tends to vary. Different drugs come in and out of vogue in the uh, in the late 70s, early 80s. Heroin was big, and then uh, stimulants and cocaine and methamphetamine got big, and then it became... Uh, hydrocodone and oxycodone. Uh, and then uh, in the early 2000s, uh, it became oxycontin and then methamphetamine. And then after the policymakers decided that if we could just get doctors to prescribe less for their patients in pain, we can cure this thing. So then it became heroin and then heroin morphed into fentanyl. And by the way, methamphetamine and cocaine is back at, at all time highs now. In fact, the AMA report found that uh, in the last year or so, there's been about an 11% increase in deaths related to methamphetamine and cocaine and other stimulants, and about a 10%, they think in their study, about a 10% increase in deaths related to all opioids, not just prescription opioids. 
the uh, CDC, they continue to update preliminary data. And their data for the year 2019, from December 2018 to December 2019, they found that uh, there was a 6.2% increase in overdose deaths related to all opioids. But if you want to break it down on by, based upon the type of opioid, 15.8% increase in deaths related to fentanyl and its analogs, uh, a 6.7% increase in deaths related to heroin. But as far as deaths related to diverted prescription painkills, there was actually a 7.3% decrease. And there was a 24% increase in deaths related to psychostimulants like methamphetamine and cocaine. So all of our policymakers keep focusing on trying to get doctors to prescribe less pain pills to their patients, and they're completely missing the mark. They're focusing on yesterday's issues, you know, yesterday's drug. Like I said earlier, according to the University of Pittsburgh, different drugs come in and out of vogue. So what they did was they caught one particular drug when it was in a moment of vogue, and they've just been obsessing over that. And it's been 10 years since non-medical users have moved on to other drugs, but they keep going after that one. And in the process, a whole lot of patients are being harmed by this because they can't get relief from pain. A lot of them in desperation are turning to those dangerous drugs in the black market. Since the pandemic began, we've seen overdoses go up, what, roughly 18%? Well, according to a recent study from the University of Baltimore, they think they've gone up about 17% just since uh, states have uh, done lockdowns. Uh, the the uh, drug czar, Jim Carroll, he reported about a, uh, in late July that uh, year over year, there's been an 11.4% increase in opioid-related overdose deaths. Uh, so that's, that's from around the first four months of 2020 uh, going back year over year. So uh, in, in the first four months of 2020, there was a 25% increase in overdose deaths in Kentucky, uh, and a 25% as well, uh, no, 50% in West Virginia, um, and but overall about 11.4% uh, nationwide. Um, now, there's no question that people are being locked down because of the pandemic. This, this exacerbates the overdose rate because, for example, people uh, with substance use disorder the it the evidence shows that part of the, the the rehabilitation process is relies on connection most people with substance use disorder have a feeling of disconnectedness and alienation and loneliness and so a major part of the treatment program is connection but of course when you're isolated to your house and you have no connection that just makes things worse people who are already depressed uh, and need uh, even and need uh, connectedness now are confined to their quarters. Uh, data from Kaiser Health found a dramatic increase in prescriptions for antidepressants during the during the the uh, pandemic. So you got a combination of people who are getting depressed because they're alone, because they're developing economic problems, they're losing their job, uh, and then you have people who have substance use disorder. Then you have people who are in chronic pain. And they have the pain medicine available, but they're not able to get access to their pain uh, management specialists because it's hard to get into doctor's offices. All these things are combining to exacerbate the problem. But it's important not to just look at, at this in isolation. The overdose rate has been going up anyway 
uh, contrary to our president saying that his policies have been a success and the overdose rates are going down. No, that's never been the case. They sort of took a little pause for one year, but we knew that was not going to continue because we're following an exponential trend line. And sure enough, it went right back up in 2019. It's sort of brutal to think about it, but uh, when you're tallying up deaths that are in some ways driven by policy, uh, you have government-ordered lockdowns, uh, many people losing their jobs. There was a pretty significant e decline in economic activity just caused by the coronavirus itself. Uh, you add to that uh, doctors' uh, relative reticence to prescribe uh, pain medication and uh, our otherwise general war on drugs. Um, <laughs> do we have a sense of the magnitude of, of lives saved versus lives lost in uh, with respect to overdoses versus uh, COVID-19? Um, well, it's gonna it's very hard, of course, to to separate all that out because there's so much interrelationship. But like I said, the recent uh, uh, study from the University of Baltimore, uh, so at least they found uh, across all of the states that just during the time of the lockdowns, they saw a 17% increase in uh, overdose deaths uh, over what they were prior to the lockdown. It's like a spike. So you can, you could just assume that there's a, um, that the that the pandemic and the response to the pandemic is just aggravating the situation. But the most important thing in my mind is to focus on what the AMA Opioid Task Force report said. They actually said that this we need to stop looking at this as a prescription pain reliever problem. This is uh, a crisis of people dying from non-medical uh, non use of drugs in the black market, particularly fentanyl and psychostimulants. And they recommended that we put our focus on harm reduction, such as uh, syringe services programs, uh, uh, safe consumption sites, medication-assisted treatment, which uh, the most successful of which have been uh, methadone and buprenorphine. And so they, they didn't come out and say it directly, but implicitly, you could see how they're saying uh, let's focus on harm reduction, not on interdiction and reduction of prescribing, because that's not making things any better. It's only making things worse. It's almost as if overdose deaths are always uh, treated uh, sort of in a, as an afterthought. That is, if we're seriously interested in preventing these deaths, there are some clear policy decisions that could be made. And in light of a an ongoing global pandemic, uh, a lot of these overdose deaths are being almost completely forgotten. Uh, if policymakers were serious about stopping them or, or slowing the spread, what would they be doing? Well, one thing they would be doing is uh, putting more emphasis on harm reduction because it, 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 policymakers need to understand that, that we're never going to have a drug-free society. Uh, and just like the COVID-19 virus is never going to go away, and we're going to have to ad adapt to, to, the, to the virus's presence by uh, changing the way we interact with one another in a much more kind of a, a sanitary uh, way and hopefully developing vaccine. Uh, the, same, the same thing applies 
to, to drug use. There's always going to be people using drugs for either recreationally or self-medication or for whatever reason. And by trying to stop that, we're only making the, the, the damage worse. So we should put our emphasis on if we can't end the war on drugs, which is obviously the, the best solution. That's our vaccine. Our vaccine against the drug overdose problem is to end drug prohibition. But if we can't do that, then let's at least do the drug policy equivalent of wearing masks and washing hands, which is engaging in things like uh, like uh, needle exchange programs or like what's called syringe services programs, safe consumption sites, uh, allowing people to get access to naloxone more easily by making it over the counter, making uh, post-exposure and pre-exposure HIV prophylaxis available over the counter, and making it easier for doctors to prescribe methadone instead of having people go to these special, highly regulated, government, federally regulated uh, methadone clinics, those kind of things. So those, I would say, are the drug policy equivalents of wearing masks and washing hands and social distancing. That's all in line with the recommendations of the American Medical Association. Why does po why is policy so different than what uh, physicians recommend in this case? I don't know. It's very frustrating because not just the American Medical Association, but the National Academy of Sciences, Engineering, and Medicine made a similar recommendation uh, about a year ago. This is actually not controversial among healthcare practitioners, but as recently as uh, I think in the past uh, month. A Congressman Cartwright from Pennsylvania introduced the bill, which has been introduced a number of times in the past, to again crack down on doctors prescribing uh, prescription pain relievers and putting limits on the dose and the amount doctors could prescribe as their way of dealing with the overdose crisis. So it's like a lot of policymakers locked into what seemed like a simple, easy explanation. And no matter how much the evidence contradicts that, they're sticking with that simple, easy explanation because it's just easier to mentally get their heads around, I guess. Jeff Singer is a physician and a senior fellow at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast anywhere you please and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.